because I refused to feed that fear. I refused to feed it because we were we were literally stepping off the cliff. Right. And I couldn't afford to take any of that with me. We talk about having goals and expectations and you need something to work towards, but you also need to disconnect from the end result and just say, I need to do the work today. was me and Beach, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Jess. I am your host. Week after week after week, you are stuck with me, and I love it. I'm loving every minute of this. Today is episode 19 of the YTP, and we are bringing you our September version of Ask the YTs, which is our monthly show where we flesh out subject matter brought to us by our listeners. And today, we're flipping the mics And one of our listeners, who also happens to be my cousin Barbara, takes the role of interviewer. We met up with Barbara last week in Asheville, North Carolina, and she had so many questions for us about the Ride the High Vibe tour. And several of those were overlapping with questions that we've been getting regularly from you guys, the listeners. So we decided earlier this week to throw the mics up, turn the table, and become the interviewees for this month's episode of Ask the YTs. Barbara opens up with taking us back to the birthplace of the tour, a space we haven't discussed before in such detail. Similarly, we dive into our greatest challenges and fear in prep for setting ourselves afloat into the world of living home free and explore what has been the most meaningful stops so far. It was super cool to be on the other end of the mic and Barbara is a master at holding space to share. She's a public speaker. She's a transformational coach and facilitator. And she's a world traveler who has been accused of living the life of a gypsy. Oh, how I love that life. Just two years ago, she set off on pilgrimage in France to hike the Camino de Santiago, a nearly 500-mile trek that many people embark on every year in search of spiritual growth. She's a soul sister, She's a free spirit, and she is a true light worker here on Earth. It was so beautiful to share this exchange with her and BJ. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed creating it. But before we start, I want to give you an ever so loving reminder to head to iTunes and leave your review to get yourself in the running for a September giveaway. This month, we're teaming up with Trigger Point Therapy to give away one of their kits, which is going to give you everything you need to start feeling better in your body immediately. Check out the link in the show notes for this episode on yogitriathlete.com for all the details. Simply share your thoughts and feedback about your experience with us and the iTunes world. I can't stress that enough. We are in complete service to you guys to bring you the most insightful, inspiring, and thought-provoking guests every week. We are for sure being led by a greater force than us. And the ease at which our guests are coming to us is validation that we are not the ones doing the legwork here. This podcast is meant to be. So please keep the energy coming. We are pulling from it, absorbing it, and loving every bit of it to create a quality show for you guys every week so that we may serve our role in assisting you to live your true authentic self, the one that you are always meant to live in this life. We are in deep thanks to each and every one of you. Every thought, every share, and every review 
helps us more than you could ever know. Namaste, you guys. On to the show. So are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. All right. Ready to roll. We're rolling. Cool. So Jess and BJ, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled that you are here in Asheville. I'm so excited. I'm bursting with questions because the last time we talked, it was the spring and we Skyped and I was learning all about whole food, plant-based eating and what you're doing in your lives and living in Newport. And the next thing I know, I hear that you're selling your house, you're reducing all your belongings to fit into your Honda Fit and you're taking to the road and going west, but on the way you're gonna be of service and stop in different towns and really do it in a spontaneous manner. So I just have all these questions. So I won't barrage you with all of them at once. But the first one that comes to mind is how did this shift happen? What happened between when I talked to you in the spring and at the time you were thinking of moving, but you weren't sure where to and what the process would be like as far as I knew. And to the point where, okay, the house is sold, your possessions are reduced and you leave town. Well, what you didn't know when we talked in the spring is that we already knew we were going to do this. So uh-huh. we had known for a couple of years that we were going to move. We just felt it wasn't a decision. Um, rarely do we make like intellectual decisions. We really, we really live and direct our life from our hearts. Mm. And it's something that I've been in tune with since I was a very young child. And we were talking the other night at dinner, like my whole college tour and all of that was me going against that voice inside and trying to fit into a box, right? And that's just never worked for me. So what you didn't know at that time is that we already knew we were gonna be doing this. That was because I don't think we had told our parents yet. And so we were keeping it really quiet. We hadn't told, um, you know, our athletes, we hadn't told. And it wasn't that we were trying to keep it a secret or anything like that. It just, we were waiting for the time that our heart said, okay, it's time to open this up and go. Mm -hmm. Because it was so important for us with getting rid of everything and walking into the unknown that we were so energetically equipped and solid that when we started telling people, no matter what their reaction was, that we were gonna be able to handle that and continue to move forward. Because there was a lot of scary moments and trying moments for sure. And that may even be one of your questions, I don't know. Essentially, we raced Ironman Cozumel on November 29th of 2015. It was our 13th wedding anniversary. And so that meant that for pretty much nine months to a year, the two of us were training for an Ironman, which is a huge sacrifice. And it makes your life uh, very full, very full, very simple, because what it does is it literally reduces your life to um, training, sleeping, working and eating. So when you stop training for an Ironman, you get like, I get 15 hours a week put back into my life. It's kind of a great way to find time. It's like a savings account, like a savings account of time. And like for somebody like BJ, he gets 25 hours a week put back into his life. And so you really want to make sure that you use that time in a mindful way because before you know it, it gets filled up. 
The other thing that happened was prior to two days before leaving for Mexico, we said goodbye to our 11 and a half year old Bernese mountain dog, Lhasa, mm. who was um, one of the greatest teachers of my life and, um, and a beautiful, amazing, powerful soul. We said goodbye to her in one of the most powerful ways. Like we were with her through her transition. We were chanting. I was chanting. BJ was chanting. The vet was chanting. I was holding her in my arms. It was amazing. And there was this moment right before she started to make her transition where she, because she was fighting me a little bit, and I was holding her and she let go. In that moment, it was like in that moment, the full message of what surrender really means came through to me in such a visceral way. She was a big part of our lives for a long time. We were told very early on that we would be lucky to get five or six years out of her. And she lived a very full life because um, we served her, I believe, in, in the best way we possibly could with a lot of holistic care. So I guess what I'm getting at is that two really big things in our lives were removed like within a week. And we returned from this trip and I felt really lost. I know that feeling lost is a great place to be because it requires us to dive in and be curious about what's next. And it, it gives space to something new. Right. And there was a lot of space for something to come in. That week that we returned, I had a couple really just intense emotional releases around, you know, saying goodbye to her in the physical form and feeling really lost. I mean, I would go to my yoga classes and I'd be teaching and there would be this voice inside my head like, what are you doing? Like, I just felt really irrelevant. I felt like that town didn't need me anymore. It was time for me to go. I was getting this message. Mm. It was time to go. It felt harsh and it like, what, but what's next? I don't know what's next. And um, so I did what I always do when I'm in a moment of question. I sat in meditation and it literally came to me in a meditation that we were going to be moving to California. Now, when I say that we've known that we were going to be moving for a couple of years, we were kind of just playing around with where we were going to live. Asheville, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, Bend, Oregon, um, back to Boulder, somewhere in California. These were all places that we've considered living for many, many years. Even when we were living in Boulder, we were considering all of these places. Um, we have a pull to these places. And California just came in really clear to me during this meditation. So came out of the meditation. I've told this story a few times, but it, I think it really is priceless. I texted BJ at work and I said, I've got a plan. You know, we're out of here. And I didn't really have a plan, but I knew that there was more coming, right? Like the universe doesn't just leave you with a state and nothing else. Right. I knew there was more coming. I knew immediately that there was a huge space between Newport and California. I don't, it was just vast and big, and I didn't know what it was. Around what time frame is this? This is the beginning of December 2015. Okay. So you're in this transition time. You've had two major things that have completed in your life, the Iron Man and the letting go of your beloved dog. And you come back to Newport, and it's, it's dark. I imagine it's cold. 
and you're you're getting this strong intuitive message and um, I'd love to hear what was going on for BJ at that time too. Wow. So yeah, at this time, so December, I'm still working my full-time job and there were changes there too, which were challenging for me. So it, it sort of coincided with Lhasa passing away, Iron Man, my work that I've been at for 20 plus years in this industry day in and day out doing this really making me sort of realize is this really what I want to do is it time to move on should I be following my passion which wasn't what I was doing because your passion is really coaching triathletes to to be optimal performers and really be at the top of their game with nutrition and and everything yeah both right? those yeah mm -hmm. I, because it's a it's what I love to do I love to train I love to work out I love to eat well I love right. to feel good. Um, and with the circumstances at my full-time job, things just sort of shifted a bit. And so I think it was in February, um, I had started to plant the seed to look for an alternative job. Okay. And so this is me because it takes me a little bit longer to transition than it is to just stop right away. So... I actually uh, had received an email from uh, the sports bar we were both using to train with. And I just reached out to him because um, Jess has always been a good teacher for me and inspiring for me to keep all channels open and, and move forward and, and act on your intuition. So I just sent an email. I didn't even formally compose a uh, resume or anything. I just emailed them and said, in response to one of their email campaigns, just, you know, if you're looking for anybody to help with web marketing and web design, I'd be willing to, to talk with you about it. And then that started a chain of emails with the owner. And then four weeks later, I was going to be shifting out of my full-time position of 20 plus years working with this company to work with this startup, relatively new, but it was more aligned with my passion. It was more plant-based nutrition and mm. something I believed in. Um, and I could work from home. Wow. Um, Sounds perfect. It doesn't it? Um, almost perfect. <laughs> almost perfect. <laughs> what was missing was just being with my wife and working towards something that we both were passionate about. Mm. And this was obviously Yogi Triathlete. And I could not give it my full attention unless I removed all outside obstacles. Wow. So that's where we are now or where I am now is full force on with Yogi Triathlete. Okay, so this is this is February. Um, so Justice had this intuition about California and this is what's happened with you, BJ, with your work situation. So at what point did you come together and say, you know, we're going to take the leap. I'm going to quit my job and we're going to sell our house. Well, I want to go back just a little bit and explain what happened in those days following that first meditation because I left that meditation knowing that there was a huge space between these two destinations. I kept I kept thinking back about that moment when Lassa surrendered in my arms when she was transitioning and she was surrendering into the unknown. Mm. She was surrendering into what was next. 
She was surrendering the life that she knew and and stepping into something new. And I couldn't let go of that. Like that was really with me. Although there was, it was so vague, it started to come through that everything that BJ and I have, you know, invested our time and finances in education and, you know, me as a massage therapist and being athletes for over a decade, you know, in triathlon, everything that I've studied and learned about yoga, um, BJ with, you know, how to really break through what you think are your limits physically and mentally, it became so clear that we were to go out there and share that. And it also became really clear that it was going to be in a place of service. It wasn't going to be, oh, we're going to have this financial security. We're going to have, it was literally, I mean, it was a, a message to to us, I believe from from God, from higher intelligence, whatever you want to call it. It was our time to serve. And I had to surrender to that because there was so much unknown. We were at a point in our lives where BJ had a great job, had a great paycheck. I had I was very successful as a yoga teacher. I was very successful as a massage therapist. I could have started my practice back up and, you know, had a full schedule. We had a house we could afford. We had no debt. We had a car that was paid off. We had everything that you were supposed to have in as an American couple. We were happy. <laughs> We had, I, I looked around my house. It was not only my dream house, but it was everything I ever dreamed of. And I was being told to let it all go. Wow. And I was on board with it because for me, I, I'm a jumper. I love to jump. I'm not as practical as BJ is, which is, I think, uh, such as a grace that he's in my life. So anyway, what happened was in those, in those following days, probably about a week, it became clear that we were going to be going on this like tour of service. And we didn't know what it was going to look like, but we knew that we had to start making the first step. And the first step was what can we get rid of? Because we wanted to really live what we talk about, which is a life of simplicity. And we wanted to take it to the extreme. And it's really important for him and I um, I'm going to speak for you here because I think you're going to agree that we live what we teach and that we live what we coach and that we're not just sitting on a pedestal saying, oh, I read this book and you should do this. It's like we've done this and it's super scary. And, you know, we've gone out on the race course and blown up and we've, you know, tried taking a full time job and then realized it wasn't it. And we had to, mm. you know, muster up the balls to quit, you know, working for an amazing man at, at Amrita. And then you had to leave that. So it's like, it's really important for us to live what we teach. And so that's what we did. And we, I don't even know if it was like a decision. It was just like, it just kind of came together. It was so clear that we were supposed to, we got to where we were supposed to be. And then we were supposed to walk away from it all. Wow. That's that, you know, when you say that, Jess, it reminds me of the Tibetan practice of creating the sand mandala or the sand sculpture. <laughs> yes. And they take such effort and it's exactly what they want it to be. And then they let it all go. Oh my gosh. I never, I, that's one of my favorite things and I've never even thought about it, but it really was. And they do it a lot more beautifully and with a lot less credit card debt and a lot less <laughs> drama over the years. And just this self-induced, like, this is how you're supposed to live as an American type of stuff. And we followed right. the rules. Like we did it. And we got to a point where we were like, 
we don't want this anymore. It was right. everything I dreamed of and I didn't want any of it. And you were you were ready to let it all go. And BJ, it sounds like you came to the same place at the same time as Jess or shortly thereafter. Yeah, it, I think we've touched upon it, but meditation just really creates that space from the day-to-day momentum that you're, you're going through the motions. And then finally you start to think about what you're doing. You're actually there in the moment. And, you know, part of this journey I've discovered is is how attached um, I was to routine. You know, you get into mm. this daily routine. You wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, you drive to work, you work all day. You come home, you go to the gym, you watch some TV and you go to bed. And right. guess what? You, you repeat the thing after day after day after day. But what if you stopped, had tea in the morning, walked to work, you know, worked a half a day. Right. <laughs> walked your dog, didn't go to the gym, visited with family. Like, I think it's, for me, it's it's sort of flipping things upside down and sort of let's let's look at it in a different way. And I approach that to everything I've been doing in my life since since December of 2015. Um, well, that's beautiful because that's when new ideas can come in and our resourcefulness and creativity. So it sounds like Lassa was an amazing teacher for the letting go piece. Oh, she was she was she was so huge. She taught me how to serve. She really, t- I came in here as a master. I came into this world as a master of selfishness and intolerance. Really? Yeah. And um, those are my mastery skills. And um, <laughs> so I'm working on the opposite, which is really what, you know, the things that we're kind of naturally good at, the things that really challenge you. Like for me, it was really like acceptance and stepping outside of myself to serve others. And because she came into this world um, physically just very fragile, she mm. had a lot of problems with her skeleton and like I said they they said she was going to die on us and for me that was a challenge I said well you know we'll see about that and I threw myself into service and I gave her massage almost every day of her life we gave her acupuncture we, I mean she was just I would come home from work and I would be so tired after giving massage all day and I would just look at her and I would just like I was in service to her and so mm, yeah she was a great teacher wow. in that and a great teacher in and letting go because she was super high maintenance too. Like she would, she was so she was very loud. demanding, very demanding. <laughs> and so I learned tolerance. I learned unconditional love. I learned how to serve, um, and I learned how to let go. Wow, very powerful, very powerful lessons. Okay, so now I want to hear. I don't know how much time we have, but I'd love to hear. So now you're preparing. You're preparing to shift your lives radically and to take this big leap. And I'm getting chills as I'm saying it. And I also want to come back to something you said earlier, Jess, because I so appreciate it. You said when we spoke at that time, you didn't reveal what you already knew was going to be happening because you wanted to, I think it's like a seed you wanted to plant and make strong before it was revealed because um, it's it's the energy of the thing. You need You needed that energy to be really strong and powerful because what you were doing was so big. So tell me during that time as you're preparing to shed and let go and leave Rhode Island, what were the scariest things for you at this time for, for each of you? And what were the biggest challenges? Well, I think scariest, I think I touched upon it, was leaving the security of a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm caught up in that that comfiness of having, you know, security. And um to come to the decision that we're just going to go on the road and just like 
free be free from all of this and not have to worry about um, checking email and and um, paying bills and and all of that. That just that super scared me. I was in meditation a lot to help let go of that whole clinging clinging to the to what I've known and the only reason why is because that's what I've done for 20 years like sure it's just how it was so for me that was that was really scary as far as the moment some moments that that it really settled in was I'm not sure this is a huge one but we were getting close to getting rid of we were really, it was down to like the 25th hour. Yeah. And I'm I like, think it is a big one for I'm you. I'm unloading my treadmill, my treadmill, which I've become very attached to uh-huh. because it's very cold in New England <laughs> and running outside is really, really cold. Yes. And it's not that fun. I assume that's why we're moving to a warmer uh, climate. <laughs> I spent so many hours on that treadmill and so many, so much mental training and I invested a lot into it. But, but you know what? It's just another thing. Right. And it was taking my energy, right? I mean, physically, mentally, it was taking my energy as though I was building some strength. It was still sucking some stuff away from me. So letting that go and seeing it leave that day in a pickup truck wow, was was heavy. And you know what? It literally was heavy. It was probably the heaviest thing I've ever lifted. It took four people to lift. So Pulling upon that analogy, it was just a heavy weight, and and maybe I needed to clear that in order to um, see what's next. How did it feel when it left? It was. How did you feel? I was definitely lighter, mm. <laughs> a little bit lighter. Yeah, and you know what? It's out of my it's out of my my thought process now. Mm-hmm. Like I it, I do recall upon it in these times of of what those moments were, but I don't really think about the treadmill. You know, I, I can run outside. I've got Clark to run with and, and you just look at the other side of things. And right. That was just, that was just one moment. I know it's, it's, um, it's a physical piece of equipment, but for me, that was, that was a moment that I had to let go and I'm glad I did. Good for you. Wow. How about you, Jess? The scariest thing was actually fear that was projected onto us literally somebody very close to me (laughs) and she listens to this she's going to know who it is was literally saying because she loves us and was worried for our welfare that we were going to be like murdered on this trip murdered really yeah um and so when when people say things like that to you i mean it's gonna get in at some point you know so in those moments as fear is being projected onto me you know, I'm filling my whole aura, my body, everything with white light to try and protect myself from from that fear. But sometimes it caught up with me. Some people would say, um, oh, well, it's a good thing you got a new car. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, no, it's great. It's like fuel efficient. Well, until it breaks down in the middle of the night on a nowhere highway. Oh, very helpful comment. Yeah, these are all, <laughs> these are all super helpful, by the way, if you know who you are. There was moments like that they started to add up. You know, well, mm. what are you going to do without any money coming in? Well, mm. you're going to you're going to use your savings and, and what if you drain your savings and where are you going to live and and so there was moments where that fear would show up. Um it it didn't 
it would show up just like as fear. And I didn't have to label right. it. Like I'm beyond that. I don't need to label it and figure out where it's coming from and all that crap. I just know that all of a sudden I would be riddled with fear. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, and I would just, in those moments, I would sit. Like wherever I was, I would just sit and I would breathe and I would, um, a number of different things that I do, a mantra or just listen to my breath or um, there's a prayer that I love to say. And I would do that until I was calm again. Because I refused to feed that fear. I refused to feed it because we were we were literally stepping off the cliff. Right. And I couldn't afford to take any of that with me. So that was a real suck um, <laughs> that we had to deal with, um, that people really would project their fear on us or their negativity. And I did the best I could to protect myself, but sometimes that fear would get in and then I would have to deal with it. So sometimes I had scary moments of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, you know, kind of like I might throw up right now because wait a minute, wait a minute, what happened? Like I had everything I wanted. Now I like, oh my, and like sometimes things would leave the house and I'd be like, oh my God, I loved that thing that's wheeling, being wheeled out of the house right now for $25 that I spent 2,500 on. Right. You know, so, um, so that was the scariest. And then I would say the moment that I looked under the guest bedroom bed and took out the box that had all the treasures in it, and opened up another box that was in that box and found my grandmother's jewelry and knew that I was going to be putting this out with the, you know, donations to be picked up and finding um, the necklace that my parents gave me for my 21st birthday. It was like this aquamarine and diamond necklace. It was really beautiful. Mm. But if I kept all of these beautiful, meaningful things, they were gonna add up. I was gonna need a U-Haul because the fact was we were living simply and everything in our house we loved and used. I thought it was even more important to rid myself of things like my grandmother's earrings because of how much of my energy was in there. And when I looked at that it was in a box, in a box, in a box under the bed in Newport, because it had been in a box, in a box, in a box under the bed in Boulder, because it had been in a box, in a box, since the wow. moment she died when I was in eighth grade. I never wow. wore those earrings, you know? I, I never wore that necklace. And so what I did was I turned it around and, and realized that I was supposed I was putting it out there to be brought to family. I was donating everything to big brothers, big sisters, and that maybe somebody who would never have a diamond and aquamarine necklace would now be wearing one and, and wearing it, you know, and, and loving it and maybe investing love in it where I was investing a complete lack of care. I just had it in a box under my bed. So it was dealing with the guilt you know, because mm. when you see people's faces, when you start, start talking about giving away your grandmother's jewelry and stuff, I mean, their faces are like, whoa, I could never do that. And like, there's this guilt that I'm supposed to feel. And it's like, but she's, I still remember her and I remember her jokes and I remember holding her hand and how that felt right. and walking down to the beach in Florida when I was young or sitting out and feeding the pelican at the end of their dock in St. Petersburg. That is what... Those are the memories that I have. Right. You know, I don't need earrings that I, I never wear and never see the light of day. I don't need to hang on to those. So it was interesting to see the process. And the more guilt I felt, the more it was pressing for me to let go of those things. Because when we let go of that, I get 
now I get that back. And like BJ said, like we get that back. We get that energy back. And we needed all the energy we could muster for what was ahead. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I just, I so um, admire your courage in in making this big move because it goes in the face of what our culture and society says is important. And I totally relate to so much of what you say because I have not lived mainstreamly either. And I've realized for myself, when I'm feeling a fear or I'm, I'm wondering, well, is, should I be doing this? And I'm questioning my own decision. That's when I attract some of that negativity and, and I'm just attracting all that to myself because when I'm calm and, I, and I'm 100% with no fear or no wondering, I just have compassion for that person not getting it and not understanding it. And I imagine you felt both probably. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes like I would literally avoid people because I was like, oh, I just don't want I don't want to hear the negativity today. And, you know, and, and I think that's OK, too. You know, surround Definitely. yourself with like minded people. And that's what we're looking for when with our new home is we want to surround ourselves with like minded people. But yeah, going I call it going against the grain of society, like yes. living against the grain of society. And you are so well versed in this. So I know you get it to go into what we did and even as we're on the road and even as we settle into our new home to bring fear into the future just brings more fear exactly i know i know this i know better you know right. you made that quote from helen reddy the other night like i know too much to go back and pretend i know too much to go back and pretend exactly like right. i can't pretend to i can't indulge a fearful thought and think that that's not going to create more fear. I can't sit there and feel bad for myself and not think that that's going to create more negativity in my life. Like it right. is like Buddha said, you can like no one, like no one's going to get off in this life. Like no one is going to escape a negative thought. Right. No one. Right. Gosh. Okay. So now you've left Newport and how did it, how did it feel as you were pulling away? What were the, the emotions? <laughs> that day, that day, that was a big day because we had to pack and put everything out on the street that what didn't sell. We got up really early that morning and our the front of our house was like jam-packed with stuff. Just things that we had spent money on that were just going to go to the wayside. Wow. So we had that. Then we had to pack our car, figure out, because we didn't do a dry run. We had to figure out what was coming with us and what wasn't. So even up to the moment of packing the car, we had things that we were going to put on the front curb. We finally got the car packed. Then we had to go do the closing for our house that day. I think it was 10 a.m. So we had to go meet our real estate broker and close on the house and get all the paperwork and stuff oh, done my, with that. All on the same day. Then we packed. Then we were on our way to Lake Placid. So we drove six hours to Lake Placid that day. Wow. Luckily, Jess was super smart and booked an airbnb so we weren't camping right away smart we had an airbnb for a few days because we originally were going to have a training camp um for yogi triathlete up there which didn't come to fruition but we kept the airbnb for ourselves uh, so we would have sort of a transition period right this is all one day amazing the, the one little sign that was that was so reaffirming in this is when we pulled up to the driveway of the Airbnb. In the driveway, they were building a tiny house. <gasps> I'm getting a chill. Oh my gosh. It was 
pretty much what we've seen on TV. And the first thing we did, we got out of the car and we took a tour of this thing, which it was just amazing. And it just reaffirmed this whole long day. We got to Lake Placid, six hours away, and there's a tiny house there. Like, oh. What are the chances? Wow. <laughs> I, I love synchronicities like that. So as you were driving to Lake Placid on the six hour drive, I imagine you were feeling, were you feeling free? Were you feeling light? Were you feeling sad or a mix of everything? Or You know, I was feeling really neutral. Mm-hmm. I was saying to BJ shortly after we left, like, I know this is supposed to feel really big and it's supposed to feel like freeing and it's, I mean, it was like, I kept reminding myself like, oh, I don't have to pay the cable bill and I don't have to pay the electric bill anymore. And we don't own a house. We're homeless. And so I kept reminding myself of it. But what I, what I kept boiling it down to was it just felt like life. It just felt like another day in our life. We were so, like you said, like we had built that energy and the momentum and the base for this trip, I think so skillfully Mm -hmm. that it was just another day in our life. And it was a day that I had looked forward to for a long time when BJ and I were dating 20 years ago. I remember saying to him, yeah, I, I, someday I just want to be homeless in a good way. Wow. And then oh my here gosh. I was homeless in, a, in the best <gasps> way possible. Holy cow. So yeah. that vision you had or that desire has now come to fruition. Totally. Yeah. I wow. mean, so it's, so be patient. Like the, we always say like, be patient people because sometimes it takes 20 years, you know, sometimes right. it, sometimes it's a month, you know, like a, I, sometimes I wish I could be like Eckhart Tolle and just wake up in Samadhi, you know? Right. That, like, I know, like, oh, they're making me work for it down here. But that's fine. Like, I'm very happy to walk the warrior path. And um, walking that path brings a lot of neutrality. And I've found that that's where power is. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So cool. And, I, and, I, and a word came to me when you said homeless. I'm thinking home free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a better that's, one. Yeah, like, home, free. home free. Because our home, what we're really practicing is something I've known for a long time is our home is is us. Absolutely. Our home is us. And that mortgage felt like this weight that I just I in those last final months paying that mortgage, I was like, ugh. Like and I didn't I didn't want to bring the negativity into it because the house deserved more than that because the house is an energetic being in and of itself and it was such a good home for us and it was safe and it was beautiful and sweet and it had beautiful Mm. energy and memories and all of that but I remember just being like okay patience and acceptance and love every time you write that check because it's going to be gone soon right you know it's going to be gone soon and don't bring any negativity into this at all it's so important everything counts i yes. think we take that for granted that we think that we can get away with stuff and we can't and we know too much <laughs> we, we know to we can't to go back and pretend <laughs> so it's been what three months since you've been on the road yeah, it's today yeah. the 12th of September. Yeah, so the 14th. 14th, 14th of June. We sold. Wow, okay. So, oh my gosh. So we're almost exactly at three months. Mm-hmm. So what would you say some of the most amazing gems for you have been in this time, whether it's a moment or an experience with a person or a situation? You know, I keep, I keep going back to um, the trip we were just recently on in Huntington, West Virginia. And this is a town that at the beginning of the tour, there was there was two places that were really calling me. One was 
Farm Sanctuary. Oh, that was such a special one. That was such a special one. And the other was Huntington, West Virginia. Like Farm Sanctuary made sense, right? Watkins Glen, New York made sense because we wanted to give back to the animals. We wanted mm-hmm. to, and selfishly, I wanted to kiss and hug and love them, mm. you know, to probably make myself feel better about what they had been through. Um, but give back to an organization that um, has created this beautiful safe haven for them. Huntington never really made sense. I'm like, why am I being brought to Huntington, West Virginia? It was just, I I actually even got to a point where I was like, is this a calling or a want? Like I really, like, because it was so unclear and even the morning we left Alexandria, Virginia to go there, we didn't even have a place to stay. Well, how did you even hear about Huntington? We heard about Huntington in 2010 when Jamie Oliver had a television show called The Food Revolution. Mm. And he came over, he was a, he's a chef in, um, in the UK and he came over to help influence this town, which had recently been named the unhealthiest town in America. Wow. Um, and specifically go in and help to transform the school food um, program. And I watched that show. We were living in Colorado at the time, and I watched that show religiously, and I just, I cheered for these people, and I just was so there with them and wanted and saw the resistance that he was getting and just wanted them to change and wanted to see more health brought into this town and I, I never let go of that. Like it was, I had to go there. So we went. I reached out to Huntington's Kitchen. So Huntington's Kitchen is the kitchen that the show actually built, this community kitchen for the show where they did like cooking classes and things like that. And it's still in operation. So I reached out to them to see if we could do a, a food demonstration, a talk, anything. But they're in the midst of changing hands. So mm-hmm. right now we weren't able to do that. But we did secure an interview with the new manager. And I don't want to give too much away about um, the interview that we had with him, but I was thinking, you know, okay, we're going to ask him about the, you know, the what's been going on and how it's been changing hands and what have been doing and how many people through through the door. But within minutes of this conversation, this guy just opened up and really show like just showed that he's not just there to change people like he's one of them and he's struggling too you know and this is a town that is has high poverty levels skyrocketing drug use uh, highest rates of overdoses every month Um, they had 26 overdoses last week there was a bad batch of heroin that went through the town i mean there's just a lot of dense heavy energy in this town Mm mm-hmm but what we didn't want to focus on that, right? Because like I said, we don't want to focus on the negative and all of that. Right. And actually the guy said, he goes, can you send me some interview questions before? Because my boss is just a little, like they, they were like, who are these people and why are they coming here? You know, and we've gotten that before and, and sure. that's fine. So, you know, I said, we just want to share the story. We just want to have a conversation. And this conversation was so touching. And this guy has been given a huge gift. And in receipt of that gift he is now going to be such a gift for the community and then we also stumbled upon this other woman and again I don't want to give too much away but we did post on our our Facebook page um she's involved with her she is the creator of Grow Huntington which is community gardens and she is going to work with addiction recovery and nature assisted therapy 
And so we kept finding people. They just, they, we would pull up an article. I pulled up this article that was like, well, five years later and nothing's changed with Huntington, right? Really negative article. But then I'm pulling out in this article all these amazing things that are happening. And there's so much light there. Like it's just for me energetically, like there was a, there's a huge shift that's available there. And it just shows me the power of a few. Right. And that these people are blossoming up and they're, and, and the light is so much more powerful than the dark, I believe. Absolutely. And for me, that was some of the deepest I felt uh, connected and re- emotional. So I, clearly I have some kind of ties there, karmically ties there. But it really was, it was really fulfilling. And that was a mm. very, very special uh, visit for us. And it was the shortest one. It was less than 48 hours. I mean, we drove hundreds of miles out of the way for less than 48 hours. Wow. And it was some of the most hopeful and beautiful and um, moments of the whole trip and also showing me the power of belief and the power of service and the power of opening your heart um, to be there for others, which I believe mm. we're supposed to do in this life. I think that's where the real strength is in vulnerability that comes with compassion and opening our hearts. So BJ, how about you? So I've had some time to think about it while you were while you were talking and from You're supposed to be listening to me. I was we listening. talked about this. <laughs> I was here, present and accounted for. <laughs> but we're I, learning a lot about our marriage. Yeah. It's pretty much bulletproof. There's, there's no way out. Um, just through. <laughs> just through. The only way out is through. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Farm Sanctuary was definitely uh, a touching a touching experience. We've watched it from afar for so many months, maybe even years, until you actually get there and touch the animals and clean up the animals and, and just be in their presence. But tied into that, for me, has been this whole experience um, or gift that Lake Placid Ironman um, gave to me, which was this investment of time of over, I don't know, eight months of training and commitment and letting go of my jobs and moving to Placid Mm -hmm. six weeks prior to my race so I could train on the course, feel the vibe of the town, you know, invest in in myself there to have it all not happen wow. and fall away and digging in deep to what we all are, which is attached to an outcome when in fact we are so out of control. Uh, wow. We do not, we can work towards it, but that, that end result can still be anything and detaching from that, but not only detaching from it, but but having the capacity to day in and day out, knowing that you possibly might not start this or finish this race, to be vested in taking care of yourself, taking care of your athletes, continuing to work towards the possibility of being able to compete, all of that wrapped together, you know, with smiling face. And it took a lot. It took a lot of self-control. It took a lot of inner strength and I'm so on this warrior path. I'm so on it and it continually 
challenges me day in and day out. And that week leading into Placid with so many things happening to remain calm and steady and, and hopeful that I could potentially start all the way to the fact that that morning I, w- I woke up and I was eating my breakfast three hours before the race like I always do to try and make it to that start line when an hour or two before I had to bail and I couldn't, I couldn't fulfill that. Wow. And just, just so listeners know what's going on, you were, you were experiencing symptoms of, um, nausea or I I think I had a stomach virus. Okay. I know I had a stomach virus, a pretty severe stomach virus and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. But, but the point of this is, is, is not only that I was able to, um, remain steady and calm, but I really came to the realization that this whole thing that we're on is about community and interacting with others. And that whole day was by far more impactful where I was than if I had raced it. How so? The conversations I had with other spectators, meeting up with a high school or, or even a, uh, a, a girl I had grown up with. Her husband was racing and we connected and I met her and I hadn't seen her in years. Cool. Um, I had an athlete out there racing. I could support her all day. I had athletes um, there spectating so I could you know, be with them and feeling the energy of the race from the sidelines is so impactful. Being an athlete and racing, I think, is almost easier. And it's rewarding, too. But I'm really starting to realize that having these social interactions with people. You know, for so long, I worked behind a desk, behind my computer, and I wasn't interacting Mm. with people, and I lost that touch. But this tour and this experience has allowed me to be a little more open and a little more socially active and and i can't tell you the energy i feel just from a conversation with somebody i will have an introduction you know you you talk for a few minutes and i feel like i just had an espresso wow wow it's it's that human interaction that i think i got away from so yes i think this this tour has personally been extremely impactful on me because i've let go of so much but i'm challenged day in and day out and what the difference is is i'm willing to accept these challenges and just let it be like this is what's supposed to happen what can i learn from it move on that's that's beautiful what a beautiful attitude and let me ask you this bj before the stomach virus experience that brought you to the day of the iron man where you were one of the spectators and being with the spectators when was the last time that you had been a spectator let me think about that. I think the last time you, um, yeah, the last time. So two years ago, the <laughs> same race. The same race. Our dog uh, Harrison, our golden retriever, was not doing so well, and he actually passed away a few days, a few weeks before Ironman Lake Placid. Before that, I picked him up and, and tweaked my back, and I was unable mm. to compete at that Ironman as well. So. So I guess I've been on the warrior path for about two years now. <laughs> I'm two years in. Doing okay. I'm doing fine. Wow. Um, 
Well, as you were telling the story too, I mean, I, I knew that you had gotten sick and you weren't able to run the race, but you put it in the context of the months and months of training and all the energy and time spent. And it reminded me again of that sand sculpture, that Tibetan, I think it's a Tibetan sand sculpture that is just gone. And the, the fact that you retain this equanimity and this perspective is is huge. And because of the work that you do coaching athletes, I mean, for you to go through an experience like this is so powerful in helping them even more in, in your work with anybody going through the same thing, because you will find those people. Yeah, and, and it, it is happening. You know, it, people have doubts. They have insecurities and they let that creep in. And we talk about having goals and expectations and you need something to work towards, but you also need to disconnect from the end result and just say, I need to do the work today. And that's what I try to help with my athletes is just worry about today's workout. Don't worry about what you have to do tomorrow or the next day. Focus on the now, right. get this one done and then move on because you're spending all the energy going into the future of what if, well, what if I don't hit that pace or what if I have a long bike? Like you should be focused on the moment. And if you just break things down to that individual moment, think about adding up all these moments and moments of being in the moment. <laughs> think about all that strength. The process. The process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we talk about the journey and I fully believe it's, it's more about the journey than anything. The re race and the results, that's, that's just, that's the frosting on the cake, wow. but I, I truly enjoy the journey. And that's what, that's what we, we focus our athletes to, to do. How rich. And you, you've been on this inside journey, this spiritual journey, and you're on this physical geographical journey. So when you left Rhode Island, you went to like Placid first and then. Yeah, we left um, Rhode Island. We went to Lake Placid and we were there until the end of July. Okay. And it's funny because the first two, the first 10 weeks of the trip, we were in New York. And we kind of joked about it. Like we ended up in New York City at week 10 and we were three hours away from where we started. Like, I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, but I could have just shot home and said <laughs> hi, but I didn't. Um, but New York was like, it was really unplanned that, I mean, I, I think we did think we were going to be there that long, but when we were actually living it, we were like, oh my God, there's a lot to be done here. And mm -hmm. I know that when you are drawn to a certain area, there's something there for you to work out. And so the first couple of stops within New York, Lake Placid, Watkins Glen or Ithaca, where we were actually staying, and then New York City. And they all serve such different purposes. So Lake Placid was about working through very painful karma. A week into the trip, I was on a run with Clark and he got spooked because he's a little fraidy cat and he took me out on a run. And I don't think I've really even told anyone this because at this point, I just didn't want to, I know people love us and I really appreciate that, but I didn't want to make drama out of it. But he took me out and I crashed pretty hard on a run on the sidewalk and I broke a rib. Oh, wow. And it was know. really painful. So I was like, okay, this is how we're starting it. And then... Even Clark, like Clark went to doggy daycare and came back from doggy daycare and was sick for 10 days, like really sick. So he was working something out. And then BJ got the most violent 
stomach virus I've ever seen in 44 years. So that was really interesting. So we were in Lake Placid. And the other thing about Lake Placid was in the first two stops of New York was like really hardcore service. Like we were volunteering, volunteering. I was teaching yoga. I was teaching yoga at Ironman. I was teaching yoga at a studio. I was, we were volunteering at this little triathlon every week. Like we were, our days were ridiculous ridiculously full like that was a lot of service and then we went to farm sanctuary and farm sanctuary was like all about giving back and receiving so we did some hard work at farm sanctuary like we had a it was like 95 degrees and we're in the middle of this pasture which is not mowed we're like bushwhacking and removing this fence so literally it was like six hours of like i'm cutting wire and bj's like sledgehammering i mean it was like wow. it's hard hard work and cleaning out the barns and everything and really just amazing to be at the ground level of what it takes to care for these animals so that was like giving back, giving back, giving back. And then receiving in such an unbelievable way. Like this woman who came to my yoga class in Newport was reached out to us and said, I heard what you're doing. We have a farm in Ithaca. You're more than welcome to camp for two weeks. This was the first time that we had received any kind of like you can stay here for free kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was expensive. Like camping was over a thousand dollars a month. Like it was we could have just had an apartment. Um, and we, you know, thought we were going to be going on the cheap, but there's nothing about this trip that's been cheap. And so we also uh, were connected with a woman who we interviewed. Her name is ha Amy Hamlin, and she's the executive director of the Coalition of Healthy School Food in New York. She was amazing. She connected us with, with just people that we've been reading their articles, watching their videos, listening to their podcasts, like, uh, like our mentors, she connected us with these people and we have upcoming interviews with these people. So it was like we were seeing this like big give back and this big uh, reception that we were getting back. It was a, it was really, really cool to see that. And then we went to New York City and we did a bunch of interviews in New York City. And New York City was all about like kind of fulfilling what what Amy had provided for us. So like mm. putting it into fulfillment. So each place was really really purposeful mm -hmm. and then from there we went to Princeton New Jersey and I did um, some guest teaching at our friend's studio yoga soul studio in Princeton New Jersey and then we did an interview there and then from there we went to Alexandria Virginia and we our friends opened up their home to us which was amazing because that was another it was like the first part of the trip was like a lot of camping and everything and now we're kind of like staying in homes and mm -hmm. things like that along the way which is really great we were in Alexandria, Virginia for a week and our friends were on vacation. They let us stay at their house with their golden retriever. So that was fun for Clark. And um, they came home and we got to spend time with their four-year-old twins. And we haven't seen these people since they were unmarried and living in Colorado. Wow. So a lot has happened. And then from Alexandria was Huntington. And then we had like some time to kill. We actually, I was like, we've got some days here. What are we going to do? So... I'm we're in Alexandria at this point and I pull Huntington up on the map and then I zoom out and I said oh BJ guess what's directly like directly south of Huntington West Virginia and he was like Asheville North Carolina I'm like we're going to Asheville <laughs> so we came here and it was funny because we're like Asheville there's gonna be all these amazing people let's do a bunch of interviews let's see where we can connect and it's kind of been it's been a little bit of a down Time. We did an interview earlier today, um, and that's really about it. We're leaving 
from here we're going to this is the plan right so the, we right. understand divine schedule maker that you are listening right now and that you've got the big plan but this is what we feel intuitively is going to happen we're going to nashville where we're going to stay with um a friend of mine that i've known since fourth grade and we're going to stay with her for about five days or so and then we're going to louisville kentucky for two and a half almost three weeks where um, we're going to try this whole iron man thing again and uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to volunteer at the race and see if I can teach some yoga up there to the athletes, just kind of do some service up there as well. And um, maybe do some interviews. I don't know what that's going to look like. We never really know what it's all going to look like. And then from Louisville back to Nashville, where we're going to house sit for my friend because she's going on vacation, take care of her dogs. And then we would like to see our friend Morgan in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then we're heading to Colorado. Oh, nice. yeah. So that's going to be a great one. We're going to stay with our friend there, um, either camping or yard. Or I'm kind of actually getting an itch to get back into the tent because be, living outside, I really, really enjoyed living outside for, you know, eight weeks. We are going to be doing some events with Lululemon along the way. We actually did one in Syracuse, New York as well. We're going to be in Utah, Park City, Salt Lake City. And then we've got a plan to meet up with the Iron Cowboy who is a man that we met last summer who was doing 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. Holy cow. Yeah, we can talk about that over dinner with his five kids in tow and his amazing wife. I'm tired just thinking about it. Yeah, so we've kept in touch with him. And then from there, we're going to land at my sister's Lush Pad in Arizona where they're trying to get us to stay through Thanksgiving. We're so noncommittal. We're like, we'll just see what happens. And then from there, go to California and mm. see where we're supposed to be. We don't know. So exciting. It's very exciting. It's This whole unknown thing is kind of, um, it's kind of the norm now. Mm-hmm. So there's really nothing. There's I don't feel like there's anything that can scare me at this point. We've spent uh, way more than we thought we were going to spend on the whole trip and we're halfway through. But I trust that we're going to land and we're going to set up a life just like we did before and we'll have an right. income and it'll be fine. Like this is um, this is temporary. I want to savor every moment of it and certainly not spend an, an inch of it in fear or trying to hoard money or anything like that. My question that I ask myself if I find myself looking at the bank account going, ooh, wow, that's draining. What else feels in alignment, Jess? Like what else? Mm. What else are you supposed to be doing? Nothing. Nothing but this feels in alignment. So if that means we spend every dime we own, as long as we stay in alignment, then I know that we're on the path. And that's what life's about. It's not about bank accounts. I totally agree. It's not about bank accounts. It's not because let me tell you, you can have a you can think you're doing great and you can have a financial explosion happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's we invest all this energy in what we have been conditioned to think means security. And um, we have no security. There's no security. The only thing that you have as security is that you have the power to feel safe within yourself. Ah, Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So true. Well, I've so enjoyed this time with you both. This is exciting. Thank you for opening up Asheville for us. Oh, my pleasure. It's been so much fun getting to spend so much time with you. Yeah, this is great. And it was funny because the woman that we just interviewed um, before, Maggie Rush, she's a professional triathlete here in Asheville, total sweetheart and badass. When she was leaving, she said, now you need to record an an interview when somebody interviews you. And I was like, well, that's about (laughs) to happen in about 10 minutes. So 
I Thank love you it. so much, Barbara. It's I mean, we haven't seen each other in like more than a decade, but I know. You know, it, it here's the other silly thing that us humans think. We think that we need to be in person to be connected. And I think you and I are kindred spirits that have been living a very similar life for many, many years. Absolutely. And this is just like BJ said about the race. This is just frosting on the cake that we get to spend time with you. Mm. So thank you for flipping the mics on us, asking some good questions. It's been so rich. I've loved it. All right. So what did you guys think? Let us know. Keep all the feedback coming. We so appreciate your support. You have no idea. We are feeding off all your energy and we hope that we are giving you back some of what you're giving us. So thank you. Thank you. We're going to keep the connection going. We are going to continue to serve you by sharing story of inspiration of people who are living their purpose and showing you that we are all more similar than different. You are never, ever alone, you guys. We're never alone. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned next week. We got another guest coming to you. Get to iTunes. Leave a review for us, please. It helps out so much. The reviews that are there are wonderful. Everybody gets thrown into the monthly mix for the giveaway. So you don't just have to leave a review and only be eligible for September's giveaway. You're going to be eligible for all the giveaways that we're giving throughout this Ride the High Vibe Tour. We only have a few months left, so get there and leave your review. All right, that's it, you guys. Ride the High Vibe every day, no matter what, and especially when you don't want to.